0: listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBTQ adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor, and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Josh and talking about introductions. Hi Josh, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. No, you're absolutely welcome. It's quite early in the morning for a podcast, isn't it? But let's see how we go. I've got a cup of tea, have you?
1: Yes, a coffee, but yeah.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> That's perfect. So you said when you got in touch that you particularly wanted to talk about introductions, but can you set the scene first of all? So you know when you and your partner got together and lead us up to that point a little bit, and then we'll talk through introductions. Yeah, sure. So we've been together for uh
1: nine, ten years now, married for three, and we originally inquired about adopting pre-COVID. And um, when we originally inquired, we were going to get married as well. That was all in the works. And we were told, you know, hold off until that's done. That's quite a big event. So we did. Obviously, none of us were expecting COVID to happen. So then that kind of delayed us as well. So I think we all in all, the process to to bringing our son's home has been about three years in total.
0: That's really long, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's been a real roller coaster. I think anyone that has adopted will know that. But it's really been sort of had a, a lot of ups and downs.
0: What were the ups and downs, obviously apart from COVID, for you? How did they look? Sure, uh, I think a big part to begin with
1: during stage one was that our social worker was signed off for quite an extended period, and it meant that whilst they were signed off, we weren't assigned anyone else, which I think was one of the hardest parts because throughout adoption you feel helpless quite a lot, and during that period, knowing that there was no one kind of fighting our corner or you know getting our paperwork done. And also knowing there was nothing we could do about it. That was really difficult.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that was immensely frustrating, especially if there was no end date, which I guess there wasn't.
1: No, exactly. And then, you know, once we'd passed approval panel, you're then sort of in that period of of kind of waiting game and, and looking at different profiles and things like that. And then with our boys in particular, once we had become aware of them, there were sort of delays with courts and things like that as well. So that was kind of more more delays which actually in some ways was more difficult because we knew that the boys were there but just couldn't get to the point of actually meeting them and starting transitions etc
0: yeah absolutely that again I can imagine because you just sit there and days and days and days pass but equally you can't really plan anything can you
1: exactly yeah and it's hard as well because by that point our families and friends were kind of on board and knew what we were doing uh, because we didn't tell them from the start because we didn't know how long it was all going to take and actually it was that awkward situation where friends and family want to ask how it's going and want to support you. But equally, I think are sometimes scared of bringing it up because they know that you're sort of stuck in this limbo where you do have no, no end date.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can remember that. And just, yeah, people asking for sort of updates. And so you either cut and paste the same text message 10 times, which feels a bit soulless, but you end up having the same conversation and yeah you almost want to start kind of a news group don't you here's the news you can all get it from here but you know that's a bit soulless (laughs) exactly but you're right it is that kind of just copy and paste and
1: and in some ways as well for us it was kind of let's get this conversation over and done with and then we can move on and talk about something else does that make sense
0: yeah absolutely yeah yeah I think it's just such a weird limbo time you sort of enter this this void really where Mm. you've got no time scale no clear end point no yeah it's really really odd for me having done you know having had other kids through pregnancy at least you know it's about nine months and even then <laughs> you know the last like week or something you are like oh everybody told me this baby would be last thursday and it's now tuesday and there's still no baby you know and you'd sort of get dead stroppy because it's five days late and yet adoption is just so much harder than that because it's just this I don't know, such a nebulous time scale where it's like, well, it might be here and it might be there and it might go this route and it might go that route and it might end like this and it might end like that. And you're just thinking how? Well, I don't know. Maybe some people are less control freaky than me, but I just <laughs> think, how is a human being supposed to cope with this non-information?
1: yeah exactly and my husband's exactly the same really super organized (laughs) loves a spreadsheet so when we're just looking at this this blank spreadsheet with no dates and nothing to put on it it was just like banging our heads against the wall yeah completely
0: I love that in every couple it seems like one is dead laid back and can go with the flow and the other is like a tightly coiled spring (laughs) ready to just explode yeah that was me (laughs) yep (laughs) oh dear so I guess you you heard about your boys you said there were then some court delays mm. had you been officially linked to them at that point or were they just sort of on your radar as possible children for you what what did that part look like
1: yeah they were on the radar as as possible children for us and I think what we found as difficult as well was that our social worker was really excited about it and and really thought it would be a good match uh as as did we and because it was unexpected delays with courts that kind of knocked us for six a little bit because I think we almost allowed ourselves to get excited again after such sort of long periods of not knowing what was going on it felt like aha here's something that we can actually hold on to this is something that is kind of real and almost in reach and distance and then it was kind of knocked knocked out of sync if that makes sense um so I think that's what was difficult was that it was kind of presented to us as yes we think this could go ahead and then you know a couple of days later oh actually it's not going to potentially after all um and at one point we were told actually maybe shelve these two little boys I mean we hadn't seen photos at that point but we'd read reports and we'd you know you imagine things and you you start picturing this amazing life you're going to have together um so to then be told actually let's park this we think there might be other children out there because this is going to be quite delayed really kind of you know took the wind out of our sails
0: yeah I can absolutely imagine it must have done it just yeah you 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 try to kind of emotionally hold back a bit, but at the mm. same time, you sort of have to emotionally commit to engage with the process. And yeah, it's just so very difficult. Yeah, exactly. Oh gosh, poor you. So, so that, that all happened, and how long did that all run for, that, that period of uncertainty? It was
1: a few months. Um, we were shown some other children, which we thought about and considered very carefully and thought actually they're not right for us. And I think our boys were always in the back of our head. And I, I don't know if that was partly partly, you know, what sort of told us, no, these other children aren't right for us. Um, but it went on for quite a few months. Then when the court issues were kind of sorted out, it was kind of right. Let's hit the ground running. And we went to matching panel before Christmas 2022 and then the boys January 2023.
0: Gosh, so very recent then within the last of three months they've come to you
1: yes yeah so they've been home I think it's six weeks now I think it's six weeks to be honest or the days are just blended into one (laughs) at the minute it's a group
0: (laughs) it's so Uh, funny because um just before we started recording I was saying to you that um today is the 10th anniversary of us beginning introductions and so we're having a little party later which is you know dead exciting and you know Mm. I look back at the headspace that I was in and anyone who's listened to the podcast will know that you know I largely lost the plot in a massive sense (laughs) and so um so it's so funny because now you know it's it's a happy thing and we're celebrating and it's all just so relatively so much easier to me I thought interest was one of the most horrible periods of my life because I just yeah. wasn't coping you know and it's not like that for everyone but I'm really glad that you want to talk about that but it's so funny to for me to be a decade on from that now and mm. to listen to you who's just weeks on so congratulations though yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. So talk to us about that then, the the intros. How, first of all, tell us about the planning that went into that beforehand and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: so um, we felt really supported, actually, by our social worker. And I think we were really lucky that we felt very much like the whole team was on board. So we got the sense that the boys' foster carer, our social worker and the boys' social worker were all kind of singing from the same hymn sheet and something in our particular case we were very conscious of was doing introductions gradually, partly because of the amount of time the boys had spent in foster care, partly because of some movement that Big Brother had experienced before. But what I think we as adopters benefited from was that being made very clear from day dot, this is going to take a little longer, because it meant that we could prepare ourselves emotionally. So in terms of planning, we had kind of three weeks of play dates planned, And then we started the more intense, you know, spending more time at the foster carers taking over and doing more of the sort of duty of care roles before they then came to our house. And we did it there before, obviously, transition day. Um,
0: Right. So that's quite a lengthy programme, isn't it? I guess you must be mm. geographically reasonably close for that to work. You'd think so. (laughs) (laughs) So for us to sort of get to the foster carer's
1: house, it was uh, about an hour and a quarter, which isn't a huge journey but actually when you double that that's two and a half hours there and back right yeah on top of the emotions that you're going through and you know the exhaustion of sort of what what a big deal it is and also in terms of you know when the idea was for us to bring the boys to our home and then take them back to theirs I mean a couple of times we just stayed in a hotel because we thought well actually there's no point us doing four trips back and forth you know no
0: absolutely not I understand that and so um, talk me through when you first met them and how that was, how you felt and so on. So the first time we met them, uh, we
1: had a kind of bumping into meeting. And originally we were meant to be uh, watching them at the duck ponds. And I remember driving down there. It was the worst rain we'd had in ages. Windscreen wipers going at 100 miles an hour. It was horrendous weather. And we just thought we're not even going to see them through this fog and this rain. And luckily it meant that actually we could meet them indoors and sort of meet them in their home. And I remember the surreal moment of just sort of seeing them for the first time and almost going, wow, you're actually real because you've you've read so much and you've seen yeah. so many photos and you've seen videos, but it can't
0: prepare you for actually seeing them in person. And um, did, it, did you connect those two? Because, you know, like when you read a book and then somebody puts it as a movie and you look at them and you think that's not how that character should look. Did did they feel like did they match up with who you had in your mind?
1: Yes and no. Um so yes in terms of I think we kind of we felt a connection instantly and and they came to us and sort of started playing straight away which we were really lucky because we kind of prepared ourselves that that may not happen but it was funny because I, I teach primary school children and I've worked with a lot of young primary school children I've also worked in a nursery uh, my husband teaches high school children and it was funny seeing his reaction of kind of oof okay getting a one and a two-year-old is going to be quite busy and quite intense and yeah I think that was the adjustment for him kind of realizing oh they don't stop do they they, they uh-huh. just keep going until they crash <laughs> <That's>
0: right they keep going till way after you've crashed <laughs> yeah exactly that
1: so yeah I think that was that was the kind of a realization for him in some ways but
0: and at that first meeting, you, you know, were because originally, obviously, it was planned as a bump into meeting mm. where you would hang back. But obviously in their house, it would have been different. Of course. You know, were you able to interact with them? Did you hold them? You know, how was it in terms of the actual moment to moment experience?
1: Yeah. So Big Brother was very confident and kind of was like, hi, come into our house and bringing us toys to play with. Um, and Little Brother was quite anxious at first but I think for them as well it's it's a big deal because we're two complete strangers coming into their home with two social workers that they don't know very well so they've got kind of four strangers yeah just appearing in their living room and sort of sitting and I remember it was quite surreal for us because we were just sort of in awe of these amazing kids in front of us and then we just kind of felt like we had the the two foster care uh, two foster carers and the two social workers watching us which was lovely because they were kind of leaving us doing it and letting us interact with the boys but equally you kind of you feel these four sets of eyes on you do
0: you know what i mean and it's yeah it's a really surreal experience to describe. Absolutely I really I personally hate that part that that moment of introduction has to be witnessed by so many people Mm. and I'm not really sure why it has to be I don't know why it can't be more informal with just the foster carers and the prospective adopters because yeah the thing for the kids of having several new people walking in Mm. and the thing for you of being stared at in those first interactions you know so. Yeah exactly that It, it, it almost felt like pressure
1: and actually all you want to do is just sort of let the kids come to you and just, you know, have a moment, but...
0: Yeah, absolutely, no, I think it's... I think some of these things, they're set up in a way that aren't necessarily... that feel quite odd to participate in. Mm. I ought to say, if there's screaming in the background, nobody is actually getting killed here, but um, my son and his mate are playing on the VR headset thing, so apparently (laughs) you have to scream throughout that. So um, I did say I'm doing a podcast, can we all be a bit quiet, but apparently not, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, so that was your your first kind of meeting, and then you said you did several of these um, sort of calling in type meetings initially. When when the actual program of introductions, as such, you know, like capital I introductions, started, sure. how was that, and how planned was it? Yeah, so it was planned really carefully
1: in terms of the hours that we would do, and it was also made very clear um, who would be doing what. So, for example, if the foster carers were still doing the caregiving. And also, you know, if we were then going to take it over or help out, etc. I think because we'd had three weeks of kind of play dates of popping in for half an hour, an hour increasingly, that really helped. And I think it it then meant that when it got to, like you say, the, the proper introductions, if you like, the boys felt very comfortable around us. And I think naturally we started sort of sharing the caregiving. Just for example, if one of them fell off their bike in the garden Instinctively, you can't help but pick them up and comfort them. But actually, from their point of view as well, I think because we'd started to build that bond through lots of play dates, they felt comfortable enough to come to us for comfort. Um, and I think it was also about the foster carer. She was very good in kind of letting us have those moments. And, you know, it because I think sometimes it would be very easy to kind of stick to the plan you know really rigidly and say well they've just fallen over the foster carer's got to pick them up because we're only in week one but actually realistically you know a job falls over and they've got a little bit of a bond with you they're going to come to you and 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 actually that's I think that's okay because that's the way you want it to go anyway in the long run
0: yeah I I agree with that and I think that ability to kind of behave naturally is quite nice so it's really good the foster carer gave you that and we had that as well we were lucky Mm. that they were willing to let us step into those roles and and quite encouraging of that, which was nice. Um, I think sometimes when intros are a little bit less easy, then it can be a lot more rigid and formal about who's doing what and so on. But same as you, we had a timetable that kind of said, you know, Tuesday morning, 7am breakfast, foster care to feed the child or something like that. And it was very, very specific about us gradually taking over the care, if you like.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think when you've been through an experience like this and you go through such long periods of having no information at all or having just kind of no set time frames for us, actually having it laid out really clearly uh, was a godsend because it was like, OK, we're finally at a stage where we know exactly what's going to happen and when it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So those first few days, then I guess you were, you know, calling in and doing different bits and bobs of the daily routine. How mm. did that then build, and what did the middle section look like? So the middle section
1: uh, was still uh, lots of time spent at the foster carers, but we would gradually build up. So we would go out and kind of follow their daily routine. So for us personally, our boys uh, are out every day. They go out for lots of walks, go to lots of play groups, and I think it was really important for us to become part of that routine. And we've still kind of continued that routine now they're home as well. Um, I think it was consistency for them. And it also I think showed them actually dad and daddy are, are safe people that we can go out with. So that's kind of how it built up. We would take them out to play groups with the foster carer festival, go out for walks with them. And then gradually it would be us taking them out for a couple of hours, us taking them out for the day, giving them lunch while we were out and then taking them back to the foster carers until eventually it got to the point where really we would kind of turn up in the mornings, give them breakfast at the foster carers, take them out for the day, bring them back, give them dinner uh, until we eventually put them to bed and then we would go home. And I bet you were exhausted, weren't you? Completely. And that's why I said as well, we, you know, we spent quite a few nights in hotels because the thought of doing an hour and a quarter, hour and a half drive back after doing it once in the morning, taking the boys out all day, you know, and it's as well, I think it's, even though there were only one and two at the time, they've got their own personalities and their habits. And it's kind of, you're all, I think all four of us were kind of working out, how do we all fit together? What relationship do we have? And how do we deal with different behaviors? So, It's a lot. Yeah, definitely emotionally it's exhausting. So the travel on top of that as well. Yeah, we were absolutely shattered.
0: Yeah, I bet you were. We did intros over a very long distance, so many hours. So it wasn't Mm. possible to return home, um, you know, in that way that you were doing. Um, But actually, I'm quite glad that it wasn't. And one of the things that I remain very glad of is that when the local authority was suggesting a hotel, that we said, no, we wanted something that resembled a holiday house, you know, because we'd got the two older kids as well. Yeah. And I was just thinking, what are we going to do with this baby in a hotel room with, you know, a, what do we have then? I guess a six-year-old and a four-year-old and then this one-year-old baby. You know, the thought of us all sitting across two double beds in a big sort of premier <laughs> type room and looking at each other day after day. And it was obviously this time of year. So it was early April, which meant the weather wasn't guaranteed at all. And so yeah. we said it needs to be a holiday house thing. And in the end, we found one locally and said to them, for example, this. And that's what mm. they booked for us. Um, but we had to be quite, quite insistent on that. But it made such a difference to the stress levels to have something that resembled a house with a living room and a kitchen and some bedrooms, because we could just spread out in the way that family life is really not, you know, all just sat across two door beds staring at each other. So. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. It has to replicate real life, doesn't it? So, yeah, as much as it possibly can. And it is just still a very, very weird thing, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting we I remember at one point we were quite firm with our adoption agency and we almost felt apologetic and I think sometimes because you feel like the power is in their hands you kind of a little bit yes sir no sir three bags full sir. Yes. But our social worker made a really good point and said actually you're going to have to advocate for these children. So actually you might as well start advocating for them now and and I thought I really like that way of thinking about it of actually no we you know we were polite about what we said and and what we were saying was correct. But I like that way of thinking of actually we're going to have to advocate. So we may as well begin now, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think also there is a kind of shift in the power gradually through the process. So when you're very early, Mm. like when you're phoning around agents to see if anyone will take you, ultimately, if you represent any kind of hassle to them, there is a possibility they'll just say no. And then once you kind of linked into an agency then you know they've invested a bit of time in you so you can start to reveal that you, perhaps you aren't a perfect human after all and stuff like that you know <laughs> and then gradually you know when you're doing family finding again very much the power is in their court because they're looking for you know a, something straightforward for whichever child they're looking for mm. but then once you're linked to them or matched to them and all of that again they've now invested in you a little bit which means you can sort of say we need this this and this And really, once intros have begun, the amount of investment that's gone into you as a family means you can start to say, look, we need this to be Wednesday, not Friday, or we need this to be a house, not a hotel, or we need this, that and the other. And it feels a little bit like that power keeps shifting a bit as they invest in you as a family. And then I think once the child's with you, you're able to be much more upfront about saying, we now need X, Y and Z, you know, because... um, that power moves and moves. But, yeah. but it's scary because you are aware that at any moment it could be pulled and you don't have that ultimate power to force it through if they say no. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, and I think it's it's a really fine balance and, and finding those moments where actually now actually we do need to stand up for ourselves here. And I think it's really important, though. And I think it's kind of what we've touched on already is actually sometimes the process, I don't know if it's in the paperwork or the policies, But I think what sometimes gets forgotten is the human element of it Um, linked to what you said about, you know, staying in a a kind of holiday cottage instead of a premier inn or, you know, the fact that there are so many people there when you meet your children for the first time. I think sometimes it's that
0: that human aspect that kind of gets left by the wayside. Yeah, I do a little bit as well. I think sometimes it's sort of run by the intros book and Mm. you yeah by people who probably haven't been through it from our side you know it's uh yeah some adoption social workers I guess have adopted themselves but relatively few
1: mm. so yeah it
0: can be um can be a bit a bit tricky in that way so that was sort of the middle section with you you know doing these kind of long days crashing in hotels and so on <laughs> yeah. what about the kind of third part of it if you like the part where it's starting to move towards your home how did that go So originally
1: um, what we did, the foster carers brought the boys to our home and it was only a kind of drop in for, say, half an hour, an hour. But what we'd done to kind of prepare them for that was things like uh, introduction books, introduction videos, uh, introduction toys in the hope that by the time it got to the point of them coming to our home, they recognised things from the pictures that they'd seen or they'd record things from the videos that they'd watched and even things down to um what we wore in our introductions book was the same as what we wore in introductions video and then we wore it the first time we met them just to kind of hopefully help the puzzle pieces fit together a little bit if that makes that's
0: sense nice. so um, we didn't think of that at all that's a really nice thing to have thought of
1: yeah and also like the uh, the transition toys so where they had a teddy bear each that had our voices recorded on and we also slept with them in our bed so they smelt like us yes I think especially with younger children where you can't kind of explain verbally. So it's just all of those cues, you know, using all of the senses to to kind of get them on board. And I think the first time they came to our home, it was very exciting because it was somewhere new and it was like, look at all of these new toys. But I think what we were very conscious of as well, because we have an Instagram account. And I think sometimes we see from and also ourselves, but from other adopters, I think sometimes there's that temptation to kind of go, right we've got the yes we're going to have kids let's decorate the bedroom in this theme or that theme and put this in that yeah. in it. and something I think we were careful of was making sure that we had elements of them and things that they already knew and already liked and even little things like big brother had glow-in-the-dark stars on the wall so we made sure that he had some glow-in-the-dark stars on the wall in his new bedroom things like that so it, it's it's new but it's still got things that they kind
0: of can relate to if that makes sense definitely so um for my son at his foster carer's house they had um transfers that you stick on the wall they sort of cling like thick cling film almost you know they cling on those like vinyl stickers and um they had a load of those and they bought two packs of them which was nice which meant that they gave us a pack of the same stickers so we could put them here
1: and again just
0: that thing that was familiar to him I think was a nice touch by them to have thought of that and yeah it was it was lovely yeah exactly
1: so yeah it kind of built up gradually so it'd be half an hour an hour first almost like a kind of play date at ours and then they were left with us for more extended periods of time at our house and then it would actually be that we would go and collect them from the foster carer's house and then bring them here and I I remember bedtimes was a kind of point of debate uh during this process and we kind of my husband and I discussed that actually bedtime is a really tricky one because they have to feel really comfortable and and we talked about how actually at the foster carer's house bedtime may never go completely smoothly for us because actually us putting them to bed in that house isn't what normally happens yes whereas when they come to our house it's going to be a case of okay you're going to live with dad and daddy this will be the routine we will put you to bed here and there was quite a lot of debate around should the foster carer come upstairs should she say good Good night downstairs. How many nights should she sort of be in our house for? When they go into bed in our house, and again, I think that was a point where we decided we made a decision on what we'd like to do, and then we felt like we needed to be quite kind of firm and say, "This is what we're going to try, and if it doesn't work, we can reevaluate it." And eventually, what we decided was that the the foster carers would uh, be at our house the first night they slept over to say good night downstairs. They waited downstairs while we settled them. Waited for a little while to make sure the boys were okay and were settled, and then left. And then we said, actually, the second night, be close by in case we need you, but we're not going to have you in the house yes. and touch wood. They've it's been okay so far, and they've now been home for six weeks. But I thought that was one. It was kind of a point where we had to be kind of polite but firm and say, this is what we've decided. Let's see if it works. And two, I think it's sometimes as well for us. I think we recognize that like i said bedtime is never going to go that smoothly there because that wasn't their routine us putting them to bed there. yes and i think it was a, for them a quite clear differentiation oh okay we're in dad and daddy's house now dad and daddy are going to put us to bed if that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely and i think you're right and sometimes there isn't an exact right answer it isn't scientifically oh. proven any of this stuff Mm. You kind of have to do your best, and yeah, like you say, try it. it might not work, in which case change it, but yeah i think I think you're right that sometimes you just have to think my instinct says we should do this, so I'm going to try it yeah, and I think that's from
1: speaking to friends that are adopting as well it's It's kind of saying to them, when you get to that introduction stage, step back a little bit, have the confidence to kind of zoom out and think, I want to keep it as consistent as I can for the kids, but equally are there things that eventually I think could work for us as a family better and it might just be small things like we've got loads of storage units downstairs now to keep their toys in yeah and partly because we're quite anal about having a clean and tidy house which is (laughs) going out the window as we speak (laughs) Um, but it was kind of just recognizing for our boys particularly to them we noticed they were calmer When there were less toys out and they couldn't access everything all, you know, all at once. And actually, they're quite good now, they'll put something away and get something else out. And what we've noticed the benefit for them is they can focus on things for a much bigger period of time. So it's sometimes kind of zooming out and going, actually, could we make a little tweak there that we think might work for us as a family? So... I think sometimes it's having the confidence to, to do that as well. Um,
0: yeah, it, it's, you're making me laugh talking about storage because, you know, when you buy somebody a baby gift, you get them some sort of cute little top or whatever, you know, something <laughs> like that. Honestly, now, my advice to brand new parents of young kids would be buy the biggest IKEA Kallax unit <laughs> you can have, <laughs> yes. attach it to the wall and buy every set of drawers that possibly goes in it and put one of them everywhere, every room that you can fit one in, put one of them in. That will be top tip number one.
1: Yeah, literally. Number
0: two would be buy a battery recharger and as many decent rechargeable batteries as you possibly can for every blooming toy that requires four AA batteries, of which there are a billion. And yeah, yeah, that that would be the two things that I would buy for a new parent now.
1: And put the toys together before you present them to them.
0: Oh, that, oh my God. We We learned that the hard way. (laughs) We spent building this bloody duplo hospital thing which I didn't even know I mean duplo is awesome but I didn't I Jackie said that when she was little she had this duplo kit and then and Jackie likes buying stuff so I said right go get a duplo kit then if you think so but (laughs) Jackie herself would admit that she quite enjoys buying stuff so I didn't really realize that duplo came in a variety of sizes including small (laughs) when Jackie came back with a duplo hospital that was virtually on the scale of an actual hospital I just thought that's what duplo (laughs) is like so we sat there and we had all the family around that Christmas Eve. We built this bloody thing. It took probably four hours and there were about seven adults on it because every little phone needs its keypad putting on and its handset putting on and its little wire yeah. putting on and the people need their legs putting on and their hair putting on. It was about four billion pieces. I've never <laughs> in my life undertaken such a task. It was unreal. And then forever afterwards, we're standing the little people up again and putting the <laughs> trolleys back in the right. It drove me insane by a small duplo that's my third, third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh dear scarred for life um so yeah so so then it sounds like that you know that you were doing that bit where the foster carer is gradually withdrawing and what's about the final time that they sort of withdrew for good how did that final day look
1: yeah so what happened we had a, a sleepover the day before where the boys slept at ours and like I said that was the the point at which uh, the foster carers were downstairs to say goodbye. And, and also we explained to the boys really clearly using things like visual timetables. This is what, what's going to happen tonight. Um, and then we saw the foster carers again the next day. Uh, and we were quite conscious to go to a local park, almost like it was kind of neutral ground. Yeah. To kind of show the boys very clearly, you know, this is your home where you're going to live. But equally, you know, we're going to go and say, going to see your foster carers. You've not been abandoned by them. They still love you very much. They still care about you. So it was a sleepover at ours and then a kind of play date at the park the next day. And then we left it a few days, saw them again and kind of I don't want to say phased it out. But, you know, it, it was kind of visits and then and then video calls gradually. Um, and I think it's 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 a really fine balance of trying to show the children you've not been completely abandoned by these people who have, you know, cared for you. But equally, I think it's again, having the confidence to go, okay, what's working for our children at this point. We noticed that um, big brother, the first time we saw the foster carers again after the first sleepover was fine He came back with us quite happily said goodbye to them quite happily, which I think was reassuring for everyone involved. But then we noticed that the next time we saw them, he had a really fizzy couple of days afterwards. Yeah. Calmed right down. We had a video call and again was quite kind of fizzy for the next couple of days. Yes. So we had to kind of make a decision and say we're going to take a little step back for a moment and not do any video calls for a couple of weeks just to give him a little bit of time to settle. And it might be linked to his previous kind of movement around a lot. I don't know. Um, but we found that that really worked and again I think it's just having that confidence to go what's best for the kids right now Um, you know how can we best support them and then having the confidence to say politely this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it.
0: Yeah and I think you're right you have to step into that parent role and you know even just two or three weeks into beginning that you still have to be ready to say this is what we need to do and and do it and it's not always going to be right and sometimes it will you know so I can understand that completely Um, and so so they withdrew and you said you said it's been how long now that they've been with you uh six seven weeks I love that (laughs) I don't know if it's six or seven
1: because each day is just kind of blurred into one
0: (laughs) soon you'll be going is it six or seven years I can't remember Um, so uh, so, I mean obviously that's really very early days Mm. how are you both doing yeah, we are
1: we thought we knew tired before we had children. <laughs> and now we kinda of look at fellow parents and we're like, oh, this is tired. Welcome. Uh-huh. Yeah, we are we are absolutely loving it. I think the the extended transition period really helped because we had really we really started to build the bond with the boys. And it was interesting as well because for our two in particular, they're very, very sociable and they love being out and about. And I know that when you for us anyway, when we were sort of going through the training and at the start of transitions we were very much told you know stay at home four weeks just the four of you in the house don't go out too much don't go to too many different places and we i want to say we tried to stick to it as best we could but again i think like you say it's stepping into that parent role so for us it's been recognizing if all four of us stay within these four walls for four weeks all four of us are going to be climbing the walls yeah um and we've gradually introduced kind of more family and friends and I have to say our family and friends have been amazing because they have very much let the boys go to them and haven't been kind of overbearing you know because I think some relatives it's probably because they're so excited to see them but we know that if we had relatives that were come here give me a kiss give me a hug and sort of all over them that would kind of scare them off a little bit So, yeah, kind of six, seven weeks in, they adore their grandparents. Their grandparents, it's given them a new lease of life. It's amazing. Um, And they've met quite a few of our kind of closest family and friends. And I think partly because we are a very sociable couple um, and we, we hope to be a very sociable family. So, again, it's that balance of not overwhelming them, but also introducing them to family and friends that they are going to be around a lot. Um, and what's been really nice to see is we're already seeing we think those bonds forming between the boys and our our families and friends and, our, and their grandparents
0: I think that's really nice and I think that pragmatic approach of you know giving them lots of downtime at home but also keeping your own sanity safeguarding your own sanity is really really important and you know I'm sort of joking earlier but speaking as somebody who didn't feel sane throughout the entire period you know <laughs> that that um that thing about being pragmatic about what you need as well is I Mm. think really important because um, I think you can hold yourself to a standard that feels impossible for you
1: and that's risky
0: for the placement you know yeah for sure I think I definitely reflecting on it
1: it's funny my husband a couple of times said to me remember you're not at school Ofsted are not coming there's no (laughs) checklist (laughs) Because um, I think definitely for the first couple of weeks, for them being home, I was very much right. The washing needs to be done. We need to wash up. This one needs his nappy done at this time. They need to be yeah. stimulated. We're not having any screen time. This, this, this. And my body, I, I was really ill for a couple of days. And I think it was just my body saying, You've got this. Slow down. Yes. Calm down. Stop overanalyzing. Um, and
0: yeah, I definitely feel like I've relaxed more into it. I think that's a really good thing if you are feeling that. And, you know, the. The cliche of it's you know a marathon not a sprint is absolutely mm. true and you can all sprint a day and get it perfectly but ultimately you've got to do the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and if all of the days are leaving you sort of you know on all fours <laughs> and panting it, it's you can't sustain that and exactly. so I think screen time is the best thing I'm like yes <laughs> well, <laughs> yourself kids um, because yeah. again just that ability for you know them to calm down and actually I mean In more recent times um, with my son, if he's ever having a really difficult day, he wants to sort of pull a duvet over his head and have screen time. And I was thinking, oh, God, no, we should be interacting if he's having a Mm. difficult time. It should be this. And in the end, we got some post-adoption support, and they were saying, let him do that. What he's doing is he's re-regulating. He's found a way of shutting out the world, having one thing in there that's sort of distracting his mind, and he can re-regulate in this little den that he's made. And it was like, oh, okay, so I don't actually have to feel bad that he's under a duvet watching rubbish on YouTube. <laughs> actually, for him in that moment, that's the world has gone away. His brain's got only one thing to do, which is to just receive these visual images of these absolute idiots on YouTube. And But it was like, okay, fine, let's do that then. And it really works. And so yeah. I'm like, yeah, go for it,
1: help yourself. It's <laughs> so- true. Like After a long day, we just being next binge netflix shows yeah. and just switch off and it's like oh yeah actually we're regulating we're just you know put it like you say something daft on that we don't have to think about and just sort of switching off for a bit so
0: yeah absolutely i spent yesterday evening watching those police chase shows you know where they're going up and down the motorways going oh i don't know this is inspector bob and his favorite car is an audi and he likes chips on a weekend and now he's pacing <laughs> down this it's great i was like I'm watching this for three hours this is brilliant so, yep. yeah. <laughs> intellectual stuff. <laughs> and I just- so so six weeks in and it sounds like you know it's going really really well and you know congratulations again because how exciting um so is one of you on leave I take it at the moment
1: yes uh so myself I am a primary school teacher um so I've taken the year uh and my husband took some uh, took some paternity leave and then some unpaid leave as well so
0: and is your husband now back at work after the Easter holidays yes oh, okay. um, that's when you're gonna be doing the days on your own at first oh yes Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> how's that feeling do you know what he's been into work a couple
1: of times yeah. and again I don't know if it was the pressure I was putting on myself but it was almost a relief that he went in because I kind of showed myself oh okay actually he came home and no one's died everyone's been to the toilet and we've all been fed yeah and I did it it's okay um So, yeah, I think it was just that reassurance for me that we can do it. But I think part of that as well is because it's only been six weeks, but I think we're starting to find a routine. Yes. So we have kind of set play groups that we go to on different days. um, And as mind numbing as it is, and it it can be the same small talk with the same parents. For our boys in particular, that that routine, I think, has made them feel very safe. So what we're hoping is that when he goes back to work, that will hopefully support that transition because it's, we're still going to these same play groups. We're still going swimming in the same place. We're still going to the same parks. It's just that dad's taking you and daddy's at work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure that that will help. And also it gives you stuff to do, doesn't it? And and mm. so on. Um, so yeah, I think that's really nice. Again, one of the things that um, we eventually learned because for our first child, we did tons of playgroups and stuff. Mm. And then the second one just... Well, we tease her now that she was just massively high maintenance because she was. And so um, she absolutely hated going places from being tiny, absolutely hated it. And we persevered and persevered and persevered. And in the end, we had this horrendous journey one day where she was just screaming until she was sick. And it was just it was it was like it was like taking an alien on a trip she was just absolutely <laughs> melting down and for no particular reason that we could discern except she didn't really like going out very much mm. and then we we're like why are we doing it? why do we keep going out with this child she hates it yeah so we dialed it right back for her and in the end we just gradually introduced it probably six months or a year later that we would be doing stuff and she was okay with it then but it was that thing of, OK, we've clearly decided that going out is a good thing. Capital letters, good thing. Yes. Yeah. Despite the fact that she was absolutely just melting. Um, <laughs> yeah. And in the end, we were like, wait, hang on. What if it's not a good thing for this child? It was like, OK. Yeah. So it's these funny learning curves that you sort of you make and, you know, get that sound like an old woman, don't I? <laughs> no, the young man, <laughs> but
1: it makes complete sense i think it, again it comes back to that thing doesn't it of of sort of treating them as individuals and but it's hard i mean i know for us one of the benefits of going out so much is even if it's just small talk it's it's adult interaction yes definitely you know and and i think that kind of keeps you sane and, and just helps you sort of offload and debrief a little bit sometimes as well so
0: yeah absolutely and i think also you find other parents that you can kind of click with and mm. um we initially found some parents that we were friendly with but their their sort of way of parenting was very um it was better than us so um it it, they were just they would just seem so slick at it you know and so Mm. so polished and so in control and maybe nobody feels in control on the inside but they seemed (laughs) like that but then we sort of made friends with people who just felt a bit more kind of flawed like we did you know yeah and, and it was yeah. a relief to kind of see to see flawed parenting I think probably uh, some of the earlier people that we met and hung out with were quite um, possibly quite anxious actually themselves with hindsight but I didn't recognize it as that then they were quite sort of involved in every moment and 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 analyzing I don't know just just aware in a way that we weren't like you know Oh, I don't know. There's that book, isn't that Annabelle Carmel? Have you come across her
1: cookbook? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> no.
0: Yep. So it's, you know, where rather than buy a packet of fish fingers, you have to make fish fingers from actual fish from a fishmonger's with yep. stuff and breadcrumbs and stick it on and try and make it stick. And then when it all falls off, stick it on again and then grill them and then the child refuses them and then... yep that so we were doing we were trying to do that and these other parents were like doing that but their fish fingers did have breadcrumbs stuff on and, <laughs> yeah. also, and you know so and it was all I don't know anyway they were better than us but um in the end when we kind of met people who were more visibly human as parents visibly flawed and you know their kid would sort of fall over because they weren't paying proper attention from yep. stuff like that <laughs> it's like, oh, this is my tribe I like these people so, yeah yeah
1: That makes complete sense. We were at a playgroup a couple of weeks ago and uh, lots of the children were sat in a circle beautifully singing Wind the Bobbin Up. (laughs) Um, Big Brother was having the time of his life wasn't singing along but was having the best time wriggling and jiggling right nice. <laughs> right in the middle of the mother all sat down and I just looked and I thought Do you know what good for you mate I think we should all be a bit more like that
0: exactly <laughs> um, but I get it
1: it's yeah I think it's finding those parents on your level and and not kind of comparing yourself and you know and I remember one of the first times one of the playgroups you went to there was these mums that looked so glamorous and full face of makeup and I just looked and I thought I think I've put this shirt on over my T-shirt for the past three days. I can't remember. And there was Play-Doh on my trousers and poo and wee. Yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah. You need to find the parent who's got sick on their shoulder. That's your tribe. Find that parent. (laughs) Oh, well, listen, I mean, congratulations. And, you know, it's such early days, but it sounds like you're just doing brilliantly. And, um, you know, sort of keep in touch. We'd love to maybe chat again at some point if, if you'd like to, about, you know, how it's going in sort of six months time or whatever
1: yeah for sure definitely
0: oh well listen thank you so much
1: oh thank you we appreciate it
0: i'd like to thank my guest today josh if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends follow us on twitter at lgbt adopt foster and on facebook search new family social or one word visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk adoption fostering tea is produced by new family social the presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next time with more guests and more tea.